0: So our reading this morning is Hebrews chapter 13. We're reading the whole chapter from verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings grace be with you all
1: thanks Emily if that's his brief writing you want to see his long one well it's christmas soon isn't it and lots of us will be receiving gifts Sometimes, though, you get a gift, don't you, and you think, what am I supposed to do with that? It's usually when you're in a Kris Kringle sort of thing at work, maybe, and whoever got your name probably thought you were someone else. And, uh, what am I supposed to do with this? But what, what would happen if you suddenly found yourself with everything you ever wanted, like um, apparently there's a syndrome called post-Olympic blues for Olympians who win all the golds that they competed for. You might find yourself thinking, I don't really know what to do with that. Whenever we study a book of the Bible or when we in these sermons, we're always looking for the application. So the, the so what? What do I do with this? And in Hebrews that we've been looking at all these weeks, Often the application is not so much something you do, but something you know and believe. The application has been to get the big rocks in the jar. So having that certainty and clarity and assurance of belief about who Jesus is and what he's done. Why Jesus is better. You know, better prophet, better priest, better sacrifice, better than religion. Why Jesus' sacrifice worked, thinking about our future hope. All of those things we've been looking at. And so that's all been good stuff to hear either for the first time or to remind ourselves of and know deeper so that we don't give up, so that we keep persevering, running our race, trusting Jesus. But now as we've come to the end, now that we've heard all that and know all that, what do we do with that? How, how do we run our race? Well, we worship That's how we respond to Jesus being better in every way. We worship God through Jesus, through following Jesus. And what that looks like, that's what we're looking at today. That's what our authors brought us to at the end. But first, it's good to define worship. What is worship? Um, Here's a good working definition from John Piper. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly And then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things. So treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God above all earthly things. God is number one in everything. So that's talking about an inner attitude of worship. Uh, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman in um, John's Gospel, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So that is, whatever we do outwardly as worship isn't really worship, unless it's expressing this inner heart attitude to God. But still, what do we do with this? How should we now, knowing all the things we know about Jesus, how should we worship? And to work this out from the passage, I've split the talk into three parts. Um, What we're going to do is start near the middle. We're going to see um, that worship for us and those new Hebrew Christians is different than it was before. So three three parts. Worship unlocked. Then we'll see how we're called to worship in disgrace. And finally, worship in everything. Worship unlocked. Worship in disgrace. Worship in everything. First, 10, worship unlocked. Jesus has brought us into a life of, a life of worship, not a location of worship. So Jesus has brought us into a life of worship, not a location of worship. So verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. So for the original hearers of this, their old Jewish buddies would get together to perform worship ceremonies and eat the ceremonial food to help them feel closer to God. And so these new converts would be under pressure to keep joining in with that. They're missing out on all that social side of it. Um, Strange strange teachings there in verse 9. It's not strange as in weird, but strange as in introduced, kind of alien to what what what's supposed to be there. So it's probably talking about a call to do a kind of Judaized version of Christianity, adding the need for ceremonies, changing things subtly so that what you end up with saying is, Yes, I need all those I do need all those religious ceremonies to be able to approach God still. But the trouble with that is that in saying that you're saying, Well, Jesus, yeah, I believe in you but Actually, I don't think you're quiet enough. I need to add something. So that's strange, something introduced. And that's always been the danger for Christians. What we're always in danger of slipping back to. Seemingly benign, good teaching. But in the end, the message is from this strange teaching. Jesus plus. Jesus plus something else is what you need to be saved. So Jesus plus penance. Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus a special feeling and experience of the Holy Spirit called a second baptism. Always something extra. Often good things are always raised to the level of being something extra you need to be saved. That's strange teaching. Well, the truth is, Jesus is all we need, and Jesus doesn't change. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is still better, so strengthen yourselves with the things that, all the things we've seen in this letter, the sermon about him. Strengthen yourself with grace, not with stuff that we do. We are going to look at lots of things we can do in worship, but none of those things are how we get right with God in the first place. That is all through Jesus. See, our worship is really different to those um, people before Jesus. See, for those Israelites, a big part of our worship was how they could access God at all. But we're no longer worshipping for access to God. We're worshipping because we're already with him. So verse 10. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. For the bodies are burned outside the camp. And that all sounds a bit strange. Let's explain that. What the author's doing there is picking up on the idea of ceremonial food to make the point that all we need is Jesus. You see, usually at the tabernacle or the temple, um, the Israelites would bring their animals to be sacrificed. And normally what was left after being sacrificed, normally what was left could be eaten, ceremonial food. But on the Day of Atonement that we've looked at before, where the high priest um don't worry about it on the day of atonement uh, the high priest would sacrifice an animal but the rest of the animal was symbolically carrying the sins of the people so nobody wanted to eat that you know the animal that's got all the sins of the, of the whole nation on it so that animal was taken outside of the city walls not eaten so, outside the camp or outside the city gate or city walls was considered a place of shame, a place of disgrace, of uncleanness, a place representing suffering and separation from God brought on by our sin. Verse 12 And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. So Jesus suffering disgrace in the place in the place of shame on the cross outside the city that is the way we're saved. We no longer approach God or are strengthened by ceremonies and other sacrifices. Because Jesus final ceremony, the cross, took our guilt and shame that should separate us from God and made us holy, made perfect once and for all. So that means our worship is freed up from trying to wheedle our way towards God, freed up from trying to get close to God. We already are close to God. We have full access, access to the true tabernacle, God's heavenly presence. So our worship is in response to his saving us by grace. So we strengthen ourselves with grace. We strengthen ourselves what, with what he has done for us, not with what we do for him. What he has done for us, not what we do for him. So it's like, to illustrate, it's like Sharon with her cups of tea. This is my wife, Sharon. In our house, you only need to sort of vaguely glance at the kettle, move slightly in its direction, and you get, oh, you're putting the kettle on, cup of tea. But I'm happy to make Sharon as many cups of tea as she wants. Not to make her love me, but because she loves me, and I love her. I mean, I could never make her a cup of tea again, and she's, I think this is right, yeah, she'd still be my wife, yeah, she'd put up with that. But I'm used to it thanks. But I'm glad to make her 10 cups of tea 15, probably cups of tea a day, because I know she loves it, and given all that she's had to put up with from me for 25 years, putting the kettle on seems like the least I could do. We're already right with God, because Jesus died in place in a place of disgrace and suffering he is the means of our salvation and the model for our suffering is the means of our of our salvation but always also the model for our suffering our worship in disgrace That's our next section Sir, better? Yep. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Can you hear me? Okay. Good. Worship in disgrace. So we're looking at verses thirteen to sixteen here. Following Jesus means following in His footsteps of suffering. Verse thirteen: Let us then go to Him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace He bore. So, if you have not got this by now, let me tell you, break it to you. Following Jesus is putting your hand up for life to get harder. We're going to stick out like a sore thumb. We're never going to be cool. We're going to have unpopular opinions. But Jesus has gone before us. And things are always easier, aren't they, when you're not the first one to have to do it? Every Christmas, I try blue cheese. Anyone fans of blue cheese? You see, I'm just, the jaw is out. But I think, well, you know, your taste buds develop over the years, don't they? So every Christmas I try it. I still don't really like it, but I can kind of get through a cracker's worth now. <laughs> but I thought every Christmas I always wonder, who was that first person who saw, oh, look at that big lump of mouldy cheese. That looks all right, I might give that a go. Who was brave enough to do that? Well, because whoever that was went first, now there's a whole industry and all sorts of varieties of blue cheese. Jesus has gone before us. Jesus endured the cross for the glory set before him. And he didn't hide away from the world. He went to the place of shame and disgrace in order to save us. So we can endure suffering and shame for following him, knowing that he knows what it's like, that it's just par for the course, and that in eternity, it will all be worth it. Verse 14. For here, we do not have an enduring city, but we're looking for the city that is to come. The city to come. That's the heavenly city that God brings to us to live with him in direct contact that we looked at last week. A great eternal city. Hanging out with God in perfect relationship. No sin, no evil, no suffering, no pain. For eternity. You know, I remember at primary school, right, in the playground, this lad giving me a hard time. It was something about a Star Wars figure, I think. But it doesn't bother me now. Because it was years ago. It was primary school. It doesn't matter. How much more piffling... Will our sufferings for Jesus seem in five million years' time? Worship in disgrace. That brings us with what we do with brings us to what we do with who Jesus is and what he's done. We worship in everything, our final section worship in everything. Jesus has freed us up to worship um, from, being, from being, just being about approaching God in a particular tabernacle or temple. Now, we worship in word and action wherever we are. Now we can worship in word and action wherever we are. And our sacrifices now are not bulls and goats, but the good works that God has lined up for us. So verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So I think in the context of being called to the place of disgrace, openly professing his name, I don't think that means just what we do here in a safe place like church. It must mean that we are, for the rest of our lives, the people who... Break the social, cultural, social norms by bringing God into the conversation. Now, look, you don't have to be deliberately hard work with people and deliberately uh, butt up against them, wind them up. But when we do have the opportunity to share with people what makes us tick, what we're all about, don't be afraid to let people know that Jesus means everything to you. People on the whole want to know people's story and people want to know what makes us different. People love other people's stories. People love each other's, other people's stories. It's just that they're highly unlikely in the general course of things to come across a story like ours of putting our faith in Jesus. So try try saying things like Say so you're talking about an issue, you might say, oh, I'm just thinking about that a bit differently because of my faith in Jesus. Is it okay with that if I share with you about that? Just something simple like that. So we're to profess Jesus' name. All that said, if you can get your friends, family, colleagues, whoever, to a church service like ours, well, that can speak volumes to them is to see our love for God expressed in word and song and just by the fact that when else do you get a bunch of people as diverse as this together? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 tells us uh, God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God shall be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. So us gathering as church says to Satan and demons and and sends out a big news item to angels, blows a raspberry at Satan and says, Look at this. You've lost. Jesus has won. And if it was just gathering in simple gathering like this can do that to heavenly beings or hell beings, how much more can it say to our visitors? So worship in words, things we say, and deeds, verse 16, do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So the the author's brought the language of the temple, sacrifices to everyday things, everything we do, the washing, our work, our hobbies, study, all of it with the right heart attitude can be a sacrifice of worship. And that's great news because we long to worship. We're kind of hardwired for it. We're always looking for transcendence, looking for things to have meaning and importance and purpose. To prove that, I've got here now, we did so well with the quiz last week that I thought I'd do another one. Here are some movie plot descriptions with all the transcendence, all the meaning and purpose and, and vibe removed. See if you can guess them. So first one. Lost girl kills the first person she meets, then teams up with others to kill again. Thank you. Well done. The Wizard of Oz, that is. All right. Here's another one. Probably all of you will get this. Group spends nine hours returning jewellery. Yeah, it is Lord of the Rings, yes. Okay, this one you'll probably get this. An eccentric owner of a large company invites five children to his factory and systematically disposes of them one by one with elaborately grotesque plans and the assistance of his slaves who run the plant. Sounds like a lovely family film, doesn't it? Now, despite the fact that those are, in fact, the plots of those films, they don't actually describe the film, do they? Because the real power of the story is the emotion and the meaning and and the messages of the films, their purpose. See, through Jesus, even the most mundane things can be loaded with meaning and purpose, because we can do them as a sacrifice of worship to bring glory to God and to make Jesus known. So that being the case, that makes sense of the start of the chapter. Because at first, when you came come across it, it reads like an unrelated bunch of rules for life that the authors thought, oh, I was dying to say that, but I've not found a place for it in the sermon. I'll stick it in here before the end. I've been there. Um, but no, they're actually, they're really helpful examples of how to worship in everything. So we're not going to spend long on this. Just quickly, I've limited myself to two sentences about each verse, okay? So let's fly through them. Verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. But we're, part, we're all part of lots of stories in life. As a worker, a child, a parent, we're pro this, we're anti that. Whatever stories and identities define us, there's an overriding meta-story, an identity that is more important that must be the controlling one. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Love one another as brothers and sisters. Verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Well, you'll definitely never entertain an angel if you only ever entertain people that you know. Show hospitality to strangers. Verse 3. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Uh, Being a Christian is hard. We need to be the social support of one another when society rejects us. And we can join in things like open doors to support persecuted Christians around the world who genuinely are in prison. Verse 4. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So note, not honour getting married, but if people are married, help them to stay married and help all of us to avoid sexual immorality. Because marriage is God's advert for his unconditional covenant promised love and faithfulness to us in Christ. So honor marriage. Verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So greed for money or for sex for that matter is chasing after power and control and significance and security instead of trusting in God, who is the source of true contentment. Verse 6. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? True contentment. Uh, Finally, we can worship in everyday life. By loving our leaders. Verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Continue the out, consider the outcome of the way, their way of life and imitate their faith. So stick to the original gospel you were originally taught. Because you've seen how those who brought it to you worship with their whole lives in response. And how that's much better than this new rubbish strange teaching that's been smuggled in. So copy them, your original leaders instead. And, verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So ask yourself, how can I make Colin's life easier? (laughs) No, it's not just about me. And pulse check, you are a joy, not a burden. Well, this, is, this, this is only about me as your leader insofar as you can help me to keep helping you. Help me to help you. And not just me, your growth group leader, your serving team leader, our kids' leaders. Submit to us because we're trying to lead you through God's word in worshipping with your life in response to the gospel. And we're incentivized to look after you because we'll be taken to one side on judgment day and have an extra examination. So there's some ideas of worship in everyday life. It's not an exhaustive how to worship, but our big ticket items, our starter for 10, if you like. Not to win access to God, again, not to win access to God, but in joyful thanks of drawing near to him now. So given that we can worship in all of life, the challenge for us is this. We have unrestricted access to God and he wants unrestricted access to us. We have unrestricted access to God and he wants unrestricted access to us. So is there any part of yourself, any part of your life that you're holding back from God? That you've quarantined as just for you. Or you've convinced yourself, oh, God's not interested in that bit. It just kind of leaves that to me to sort out. So for me, when I had a secular job, my get out clause was creating two larger categories for myself. You know, oh, well, that's, that's just work. That's just how you have to operate when you're there. It's just the culture there, kind of thing. But in the end, that was just permission-giving, excuse-making for sinful behavior. See, Jesus isn't part of the picture of our life. Jesus is our life. We're called to deny ourselves daily to follow him. But the good news is, life lived in worship through Jesus, hard as it definitely will be, It's still the best life there is. Living to give him the glory he deserves. So to conclude, if we think back to our gift, what do I do with this? Jesus is better, so much better. What am I supposed to do with that? Well, we give a gift back. We give everything that we are, everything we do, in worship of him. I'll finish with verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may that God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be
0: glory forever and ever. Amen.